On Sportsbeat KC, University of Kansas beat writer Jesse Newell stops by the studio to discuss the latest additions to the basketball roster and what it means for the Jayhawks going into next season. Spoiler alert, it's good news. You're listening to Sportsbeat KC, a sports podcast presented by the Kansas City Star, and I'm your host, Blair Kirkhoff. Jesse, how are you doing, my friend? Doing all right, Blair. How about yourself? Pretty good. I was looking at the um, the Kansas starting five for the NCAA tournament loss to Auburn, and we had Devon Dotson at the point, Quentin, Quentin Grimes at the shooting guard, Ochai Abaji, uh, Diedrich Lawson, and, uh, and McCormick started in, in the middle. It was kind of based off of that that lineup and that performance and then you know who, who they had coming off the bench that the observation or the prognostication of Kansas basketball for 2019 for 2019-2020 was shaped of course this is in uh, late March much has happened in the, <laughs> in, the uh, in the next uh, eight to nine weeks and the latest well there's a couple of latest here aren't there just this week Let's let's talk about the the latest additions to the Kansas basketball roster. Let's start with Isaiah Moss. And if I had to pick a position of need based on what sort of what the roster was looking like and shaping up to be in the you know over the last few weeks, he plays the position I thought was the biggest need for Kansas. Am I, am I right about that? Yeah, it's he's a fascinating fit. So he's a graduate transfer from Iowa, and I wrote about that this week if people want to check it out, the analysis on the Kansas City Star. But he does one thing really well. He's a spot-up outside shooter. The last two years, he's 40% from three. He was 42% from three uh, just last year alone. And so he does this one thing really, really well. And if you look at Kansas, what's the one thing that we don't know that they can do really well? It's outside shooting. But if you look at the complete package with him, defensively, it looks like maybe some potential there. You can get out and guard outside shooters. But offensively, he was 38% from two-point range, really struggled uh, You know, when it came to passing, had too many turnovers, was not great scoring at the rim, the, those sorts of things. So um, it's one of these things in the offseason. I don't want to overstate it because, yes, there is a fit there. And that's sort of what I wrote in my story. I think there's a path to him getting playing time, which is we've seen this type of player in the NBA where if you have a couple of really good players, you can mask these sorts of players' weaknesses because basically you stick them in the corner and you say, hey, look, Isaiah, stand there. If you get the basketball, shoot it. Otherwise, you are drawing your defender out there and you're leaving a lot of space for Yudo Gazabuki to work inside or Devon Dotson to have driving angles. And then defensively, if you can hold your own, you really are serving a great purpose on this roster. Now, that's all great in theory, except that what will Isaiah Moss come to Kansas and do? You know what I mean? Will, will he want to drive? Will he want to score inside? Will he want to do pull-up jumpers? And if all that happens, then maybe there isn't as much of a role on this year's team. So it's sort of fascinating with him. He visited KU's campus a couple weeks ago. He left without an offer from Kansas. Then he committed to Arkansas. Now two weeks down the line, you know, he decommits from Arkansas, comes back to Kansas. So for KU, it makes a lot of sense. It's a graduate transfer. They were going to have a couple scholarships probably left over with this class anyway. So you get this one-year commitment. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. For Isaiah Moss, I think it works really well if he comes in here with an unselfish mindset and decides, hey, I can be a 3 and D type player. I can give them outside shooting. And if I don't come in with an ego, there might be a role for me on this Kansas team. But I don't think it's a 100% to work out. It might not be a perfect fit if this whole thing doesn't come together and if he tries to maybe bite off more than he can chew. Okay, if, if he does start, who isn't starting? 
I don't think he starts, to be completely honest with you. He averaged, what was it, like 24 or 26 minutes a game last year at Iowa. Um, and, you know, we'll talk about some of the other guys that are candidates. 24, I got it right here. Yeah, yep. uh, other guys that are candidates for start, you know, the starting job at Kansas. I, I think, you know, if you're KU, you didn't bring him on with that thought in mind. Uh, you probably brought him on with the thought that he can be a piece. And, yeah, if he comes in and proves it and, and shows a lot more than uh, what he did at Iowa, again, he was not an efficient player for the Hawkeyes last year, mostly because uh, of those turnovers and mostly because he was so poor from two-point range. He also doesn't get to the free-throw line. He's a really good free-throw shooter right. but doesn't draw contact. So you really are looking at a one-dimensional sort of player offensively for Kansas. If I'm just scouting the stat line with him, maybe there's more there that we haven't seen. But a one-dimensional type player, but again, that's the one dimension that KU desperately needs. So if he can focus on that, and if he can be okay with that, then, like I said, I think he can carve out a nice role. I don't think he'll play 24 minutes a game at Kansas. I think you're looking at, you know, 15 to 20 if he's doing well. And I think the floor could be pretty low for him, because again, Kansas is probably not using that scholarship anyway. So they see this as kind of a nice bonus. You know, you get this kid on campus, maybe if you're down eight with a minute left, you'll bring him in because you need another shooter. I mean, that could be the floor for him is that he's a shooter when you desperately need him off the bench late. But I don't think he starts. Again, he'll probably have to prove that coming in. I think they've got enough guys out there. Ochai Abaji, uh, Marcus Garrett, and then the guy we're probably just going to talk about here with Jalen Wilson uh, th- that probably fit a little bit better in the starting lineup than he would at this particular point. Okay, before we get to Jalen Wilson, uh, I've got I've got Moss's numbers pulled up here, and, and you're right, he was 38-3 on two-pointers last year. Now, he had been higher his first two years at Iowa, which is interesting, up 44% on, on twos. I say threes, mm-hmm. I meant twos. Uh, 38.3 on twos and 44% in his first two years. So a big drop from his uh, from his second to third year at Iowa. But his three-point shooting improved each year. Um, 35%, 36% as a freshman, uh, 39% as a, a second-year player, 42% from three last season for, for him. He averaged 9.2 points uh, in his third year, 11.1 his second year at Iowa. Uh, so you, you talked about his efficiency. That's, um, that's, that's not great efficiency. It's not. You know, if you look at some of the videos of him, and again, this is me sort of um, scouting limited because uh, I didn't watch him play every single game last year, but he seems to be a guy that uh, sort of likes to get to shoot off the dribble. And a lot of times when you see those guys, they can kind of float into that inefficient range because you're passing up an open three sometimes, which again, for him is a great shot. He needs to be taking a lot of open threes to get to like a 17 footer off the dribble, which uh, all the analytics and numbers would tell you out there that especially if you're a college player, that's probably not going to be a very good shot for you unless you are just phenomenally gifted in that aspect. So like I said, um, for him, and we'll see how it all plays out, but for him, if I'm Isaiah Moss, I'm coming into this saying, look, there could be a lot of team success with Kansas. And there are some things that they are missing with this particular roster that I can help with, which especially is outside shooting. So if I come in here as a good teammate, if I come in here without an ego, I can fill that. And even if that is the only thing I'm doing, I can do that for a successful team that's going to be a top five team and earn my minutes even on a roster that's starting to get crowded. So um, that's sort of the thing that you don't know about coming in is whether he'll buy into that. Now, the other factor with this, if you looked on social media, Devon Dotson uh, tweeted out his excitement about Isaiah Moss coming to Kansas. It's kind of weird. So Isaiah is from Chicago. Devon Dotson is from Chicago before he went to uh, move, his family moved to North Carolina. 
And actually, Devon Dotson's older brother and Isaiah Moss are best friends. So there's a little bit more of a dynamic there too, that these two families know each other pretty well. And Devon, when we, we talked to him earlier this week, seemed pretty excited to have Isaiah Moss on his roster. So maybe there's a little bit of a rapport there. Maybe there's some chemistry that can be built there. I, I don't know. That's something else to kind of keep in mind when you're looking at the situation. But for right now, I would say, you know, if I'm just looking out and projecting here, you know, 15 to 20 minutes per game on the high side, probably more likely 10 to 15. And again, a lot of that's going to be up to Isaiah Moss and how much he can fit himself into Kansas rather than maybe trying to have Kansas fit into what he does. He, he was part of a good team. Iowa had a good season this year. I remember they, they made the tournament, won a game, and, and actually had one of the more interesting second-round games in the NCAA tournament. They played Tennessee. Tennessee jumped on them by like 20, 25 mm-hmm. in the first half, and Iowa came back and sent that game into overtime, ended up losing to the Vols in overtime. But uh, Moss had 16 in that game, was three for five on, on threes. So in the highest pressure game of the season, he, um, you know, he, he scored and, and shot pretty well from, from three, and I'm looking – uh, two turnovers. So um, we'll see. Um, he, he, if he, he was going to obviously going to start for Iowa if he had stayed there. And you mentioned uh, Marcus Garrett. Um, uh, Ochai would uh, you know also you know, could be potential starters at that two-three that combo guard position. Um, if if you had to pick it right now, would you have Garrett and Ochai starting right in those in those slots? Yeah, I, I would at this point, and there's just so much to be determined with this team. Um, it's sort of tough at this point in June to kind of look at it. But yeah, you know, to me, Marcus Garrett is the security blanket for Bill Self. I mean, the guy is an elite defender. He's a tough guy. He'll get in, you know, he'll get muddy, if you will. Like he's Bill Self's sort of player. Now we know his scoring. Um, leaves a lot to be desired. His shooting, his shooting. If if he could be a a good shooter, like we're talking 36% from three uh, when teams don't guard him. I mean, he could be easily an All Big Twelve sort of player because he does everything else well. It just that holds him back so much. We saw, you know, I wrote about this in the Kentucky game last year. Kentucky basically started this KU downslide offensively because they decided they were not going to guard Marcus Garrett. They used his guy to double team inside or to, you know, clog up the lane. And KU's offense really never looked the same past that point because, um, you know, Marcus Garrett couldn't hold his own enough to make teams respect him on the perimeter. And it really left KU playing five on four. Now, having said all that, like, for Kansas, if you're trying to project the first game of the season and you're going up in the Champions Classic and you're playing the Duke Blue Devils, I mean, who is Bill Self going to trust in that situation? He's probably going to trust Ochai Abaji. He's probably going to trust Marcus Garrett. So could things change over the course of time? Yes. Could um, some of these guys supplant Marcus Garrett if he can't improve his outside shooting? Of course. Uh, but, you know, if you're projecting the very first starting lineup and going into this, I think the plan for Kansas is uh, you have, obviously, Devon Dotson. You have them wanting to play two bigs. And then uh, Ochai Abaji having a good summer. Uh, in the workout so far, and then Marcus Garrett sort of being that security blanket, knowing what you're going to get when you're facing a top-five opponent in game number one. So, yeah, just to support your your, your assertion on Marcus Garrett shooting, 25% three-point shooter in his two seasons. At and, it's honestly worse than that, Blair, because, um, you know, I mean, I'm not trying to, to, to bash the guy, but um, – his shots are wide open. I mean, he is getting wide open threes. He's taking them in the most ideal settings. He's taking them 
Um, when he gets a pass and no one's around him, he's taking them when somebody's not guarding him, when they're not respecting him, you know, late in shot clock, when there's just you know, nobody around. So, uh, you know, I just wrote a story uh, yesterday about Ochai Baji looking to fix his shot. Um, it's almost like you want you want him to grab, you know, a Marcus <laughs> Garrett by the neck and say, come with me, bud. We're, we're going to go here work out in the summer. And listen, this is not to say Marcus Garrett doesn't work out. I know last year we talked about him and he was putting up 500 shots. So it's easier said than done. But when you look at Ochai's shot and you look at Marcus Garrett's shot, I mean, it's different. You know, Ochai right. had a good looking stroke last year. It looks better this year. If you go check out my article, I kind of have a side by side. His elbow is further in. He's getting a quicker release. Marcus, it's just, it comes out flat. It comes out kind of off the side of his hand. It just is, it is not... It is more line drive It's a it? line drive shot, and, and we know from some of the studies out there that you need some arc, or the better shooters have that arc to them. We we see one of the best shooters of all time, Seth... Seth not Seth. Steph Curry, yeah. uh, you know, has that arch where you, know, you can get over the rim and get in. So uh, for Marcus Garrett, uh, you know, if this is something you can improve, man, the sky is the limit. I mean, that is, it's the kid that you, you want to play that's a, a good on-court guy that, uh, you know, again, will... We'll, We'll dive into loose balls. We'll be a great defender. We'll get steals for you. Gets we'll, the basketball. Well, yeah, we'll gets the basketball, can drive, can get to his right hand, can score that way. So, so many things going for him. But, um, again, in today's game, a lot of that can be sidetracked if you don't make him guard you on the perimeter. And for a lot of last season, Marcus Garrett didn't make him guard him on the perimeter. And if that isn't fixed, then I just don't see how his offensive ceiling is going to be much higher in his junior season. And now he's got... And as everybody else in college basketball has more than a foot longer to you know to shoot with with college basketball going to the international three point line this year. Yeah, well, and, and that's fascinating to me too, Blair, because I, I people keep asking me how it's going to affect Kansas, and it's I kind of want to wait to see how it plays out. You know, some of the studies that are out there and some of the data that we have actually shows that. As guys back up a couple feet, it doesn't affect shooting percentages as much as you'd expect. But what it might do is, like with some of these coaches, it makes you think, well, I don't want guys shooting out there as much. You know, So I think maybe more the mental aspect of this could hurt teams more than the physical aspect of this, if this makes any sense. Because um, you know, I know a lot of people want to go out there and complain, well, you know, back in the day, everybody could shoot. They are better free throw shooters. Actually, today's game has the best shooters that has ever happened, You know, because right. the skill level is increasing every single year. So I'm not sure that these guys are not capable, when I'm talking about college basketball as a whole, aren't capable of making those shots. I just think they might get red-lighted more often. And to be honest, that might help KU more defensively than anything, just because we know their weakness the last few years has been teams that have shot threes against them. And if coaches are a little bit more hesitant to say, we're going to fire away from three against Kansas, KU might benefit in a little way there because that'll force teams inside. And we know Yudoka will be standing in there. Auburn being the best, one of the better examples. See, and that's an example of a coach that I don't think is going to, it's going to back <laughs> off at all. He's going to say, what? 22 feet who cares you know what I mean so uh, I think Bruce Pearl is one of those uh, analytic type minds out there that's going to let his guys fire away from three but there are some guys out there that might not and if they back off those threes a little bit then Kansas could come up with an advantage there we will be back after a break Hey, it's Blair Kirkhoff, and if you're listening to this, you love Kansas City sports, whether it's the Chiefs, Royals, Sporting, Mizzou, KU, or K-State, and no one covers these teams like the Kansas City Star. If you currently subscribe to the paper or have a digital subscription, thank you for your support. And if you don't, here's a great offer. It's called Sports Pass, unlimited digital access to every sports story and video on KansasCity.com. And it's just $30 for the first year. It's the best sports value in town. Just eight cents a day or $2.50 a month. You can't beat that. 
Subscribe now at kansascity.com slash sportspass. Jesse Newell, who covers the Jayhawks, along with Gary Bedore, is is with us. And we're talking Kansas basketball because, hey, it's June. And what else are you going to talk about with Kansas? Kansas basketball is a 12-month-a-year sport. Uh, me and Gary Bedore over covering it, you know, for however many years we've combined to cover it, 50 or whatever, with Gary having 40 of those. We have learned that over time. It is absolutely a year-round sport because, uh, for one reason, recruiting never stops. And Kansas fans are just insatiable. The appetite for recruiting news is insatiable. And there was some earlier today, Jesse, you and I are talking on on Wednesday afternoon, June the 12th, and Jalen Wilson has decided to uh, cast his lot with the Jayhawks. Tell us about Jalen Wilson uh, and how he how he might fit into Kansas. Yeah, sort of fascinating, a you know, top 50 recruit. And uh, I guess you can look this up, Blair, while I'm talking, but I think he's their only top 50 recruit this year if you look at rivals maybe Tristan Inaruna just snuck up in there in the final uh the final rankings but uh you know he's been a guy that's solid there but he first committed to Michigan reopened his recruitment after John Beeline left for the Cleveland Cavaliers uh, Jawan Howard came back and obviously remained on Michigan remained on Jalen Wilson's list but uh KU was one of his finalists before and he decided to sign up with them this time, you know, he's a six foot seven, small forward type, uh, kind of maybe in a three four range. Known as a pretty good shooter coming out of high school. So we talked earlier about the shooting for Kansas outside shooting. He's another guy that potentially could give KU some help there. Uh, probably a little bit more versatile than what we talked about with Isaiah Moss, that can score uh, off the dribble, can get to the rim, um, can be athletic, especially when it comes to transition situations, can even post up a little bit maybe um, on the offensive end if he gets a smaller guard on him. So sort of a skilled guy, not super athletic, uh, not a guy that uh, um, is going to be one that absolutely wows you in that way. But I think the fascinating part with him is it just gives KU another piece and Bill Self another piece. And um, Bill Self has been adamant over this summer to say that he wants to play two bigs with Kansas. And um, that would be Sylvie DeSosa and Yudoka Azubuki playing together. And we spoke about this earlier, Blair, how they only played 10 possessions together two years ago when they actually were on the court together. So that's not a I was, pairing. I was amazed by that, by that's, the way. And that's not a pairing that's happened very often. For Jalen Wilson, he typically is probably a guy that Bill Self has played as a small ball four because defensively, he struggles to slide a little bit and probably could be better, you know, pushing a guy out rather than trying to slide and stay in front of a guy. So this will be another fascinating test here because if this Silvio Udoka thing doesn't work or doesn't work right away, there are options. And Jalen Wilson provides one of those where, okay, what if you add him to a four guard roster along with Udoka on the inside? He can space the floor a little bit. You suddenly have a pretty good defensive lineup in there where Yudoka can grab the rebounds. And, uh, you know, if Yudoka needs out, then you put Silvio in. So for Bill Self, I think that's maybe the theme of the last two months where at one point you thought, okay, they can only play this way. They only have these options. But as he's added these pieces and as these guys have gone have come back, they have a lot of versatility. I mean, he wants to play two bigs to start. He wants to have Silvio and Yudoka in there together. But does he have to be married to that at this point? He really doesn't. And Jalen Wilson provides another example of a guy that can give them a different look if they want it. Jalen Wilson, the the number 47 prospect in the rivals, top uh, 150. Okay. Tristan, how'd you pronounce his last name? Well, it's I asked him to pronounce it last week. He said Inaruna. Inaruna. Now, he 
So that's kind of the long E. Yep. He was asked yesterday about it. I need to go back to the uh, Kevin Romery video of Six News because he asked him, uh, Six News and Lawrence, about it. And I swear he said Tristan and Aruna. So we'll have to compare these things. But you have to ask these kids what their names are because we want to be saying it right. I, I'm going to go with what he told me the first time. He said Inaruna, so I'll go with that until proven otherwise. E- either way, it's four syllables. Inaruna. Inaruna. Or Inaruna. So. Okay, and to round out the, um, you know, the, the Kansas recruiting class, Christian Braun... At 90, uh, the, the Blue Valley Northwest uh, uh, combo. Yeah, and so what was Inaruna? Just he was 40, 44. 44, so they did get two top 50 recruits. Yep. And real quick, I mean, I'll probably... We, this KU basketball team needs a pronunciation guide. Christian <laughs> Brown, it's actually pronounced Brown. Brown. Uh, I apologize. There you go. Okay. I, Isaac McBride, at, uh, I got that right, didn't I? You did get it right, except I, just to get all the people out there, uh, since we're going to get this right, Isaac has two S's. And not two A's in it. It does, as I'm looking at this. <laughs> Is this a crazy team or what? Yes, yeah. So this comes in at, um, uh, Isaac McBride comes in at 103. So uh, I, I will believe, I, I believe that this will complete the recruiting class. I would think so. Um, for Kansas, they will have a big turnover next year, obviously, if we can go down the line. Um, that's, I guess, to be figured out next year. And a lot of that's going to happen with the new NBA draft rules, too, because... Um, just like this year, KU went down to the wire, not knowing with Devon Dotson or uh, Quentin Grimes whether they were coming back. But I mean, off the top of your head, you would say, okay, um, you know, you have a graduate transfer in Isaiah Moss. If Mitch Lightfoot does not redshirt, then he's gone. Uh, Silver, sorry, Yudoka Azubuki is going to be out. Sylvie DeSosa potentially could turn pro. Devon Dotson almost left this year. He probably will leave next year. So, I mean, that's without me even thinking. I probably missed somebody. But that's five guys right there. If you add another scholarship, which they probably won't use, that would give you six to next year. I can't imagine Bill Self needing to have that many more than that in his pocket going out there to recruit. But at this stage in the game, I just don't know who you would add with that scholarship that would, um, unless it was like a a sort of prospect guy that you believe needs a couple years of work that could be in the program, something like that. But I would fully assume that at this point, KU is probably just going to take that scholarship in the next year. I do think as we look at the Kansas roster, um, that if if we didn't think so in the last few weeks, we're pr- probably pretty sure that this will be the Big 12 favorite. And if Kansas had been hanging out somewhere around the top 15, somewhere in the mid-teens or something in people's preseason projections that when uh, when the season arrives and when the, the polls arrive in October, I think we'll see Kansas no worse than top 10 and maybe top five in, in the preseason polls. So kind of right back where we're used to seeing them with, and of course last year they were preseason number one until you know all the issues started cropping up for them. So you know, just kind of business as usual for Kansas. The expectations will be exceedingly high. Uh, the only other Big 12 teams I see in preseason uh, polls now, um, or guesses, they're not even polls, they're just guesswork, is Texas Tech and Baylor. So we'll, we'll see where that goes. You know, in honor of Isaiah Moss, I was thinking, Jesse, um, and we didn't talk about this, so I'm, I'm taking you by surprise a little bit. I was trying to think of the, uh, Moss as a graduate transfer so he'll only be at Kansas for a, for a year. And so I'm, I'm trying to think of the best one- and two-year players in, in Kansas history. And there, there have been a few in recent years, of course, because of the, the one-and-done rule of, of college basketball. We've seen Josh Jackson and, and uh, Andrew Wiggins come through that way, Joel Embiid. But there have been some other guys over the years that just gave Kansas um, a year or two that 
um, that, that were pretty productive. Um, the most famous, of course, is their, their greatest player of all time, Will Chamberlain, was just a two-year Jayhawk uh, because he, the freshmen weren't eligible and, um, and, he, and he skipped school, played for the Harlem Globetrotters in what would have been his senior year at Kansas. But um, any, any guys come to mind as under the, sort of under the radar, one- and two-year Jayhawks? Gary Bedore should be here to help uh, – uh, break this one down. Well, this is good uh, podcast audio too, because this is the point where I start naming names, you start naming names, and then the people listening start screaming yes. at their iPhones right. because we absolutely missed the person that they're thinking about. And they're right now, you know, just off the top of my head, um, when you talk about graduate transfers, I think for Kansas, obviously Tark Black comes to mind as Even, a one year player. Yes. He started over Joel Embiid, had a productive career, and actually. That was one where it worked out great for both parties. I don't think anybody considered him an NBA player coming into his Kansas year. Turns out, you know, he gets a year with Andrea Hootie in the strength program, kind of learns some new ways with Kansas, goes on to have a nice NBA career, which not many people would have expected. Uh, ben McLemore immediately comes to mind. You know, he had to sit out that year because of, um, you know, the academic part of things right. to, to get eligible. But, but helped that 2012 team in practice that year. I know the, Bill Self has always mentioned that, that uh, having McLemore, and I think J- Jamori Trailer. Jamori Trailer did the same thing, yes. Yeah, both sitting out helped that, that 2012 team. But he had his quote one and done year the next year, you know, amazingly uh, productive year for Kansas. And then even going back further, I, I think, and again, this is me sort of being the stats nerd guy with this, I think one of the most underappreciated campaigns, especially when it comes to one and done, because I know one and done gets sort of a bad rap around these parts, because for being honest, Kansas has never been to a Final Four under Bill Self with a one and done player. So I think a lot of fans have associated that with teams that don't live up to expectations or don't make the most fun parts of the tournament, but um, I will throw 2010 Xavier Henry in there, and I know he had a bad reputation. I know that there were some things out there that happened with him, with his recruitment and with his family that um, maybe didn't impact him as much, but if you go back and look at his numbers, again, when we're talking about filling a role for a team that needed it, great outside shooter, super efficient player, added to, you know, complemented what both Sharon Collins and Cole Aldrich did for that team, and, uh, you know, that team lost to Northern Iowa, yes, but that team only had two regular season losses. I mean, that was a surprise, surprise. That was that was the overwhelming favorite entering the, the NCAA tournament that year in 2010. So I don't want to forget about that team and also a really good player on that team that helped them to uh, a pretty good height. So I, I think Xavier Henry uh, probably is, doesn't get remembered as the type of player that he was for Kansas in that one year. Didn't have a great NBA career either, but uh, that one season at Kansas, he was pretty productive, made some threes, and did some great things for a team that was really, really good. I, I do think that that team, the 2010 team, I think is what yes. we're talking about. I, yes. I, I, I think that may go down as the the best Kansas. We talk about best Kansas teams that didn't you know win a national championship. That was that may have been one of the best ones that never got to the Final Four. Yeah, I mean, Sweet that, 16. I mean, jeez, yeah, you know, lost round. in the second round. Um, but in the in the Xavier Henry vein, there's Kelly Oubre as well. Yeah, I'd probably say a little bit lower level with him because, again, he struggled earlier on, kind of came on toward the end of the season. Then same sort of thing. People kind of remember that Wichita State game where he didn't play his best, and there was obviously the famous quotes about that one too. But he actually has had a nice NBA career uh, after his time at Kansas. So uh, I would put Xavier above him in that regard. But, yeah, I think when you look back and say, hey, what was overall was Kelly Oubre good for Kansas? Yeah, he, he was a good player during his one year. I'll go back into my – days when I was covering Kansas for a one-year player uh, was on the 93 Final Four team, uh, Darren Hancock. 
Oh, super athletic, Wonder, Mr. Dunker. Wonderful athlete. Uh, junior college transfer, which mm-hmm. is why he was, he was just at Kansas for one year and ended up in the NBA for a handful of seasons. But, man, fun to play, could jump out of the gym, and, and was a really key part to that 93 team that won uh, – uh, that went to the Final Four. So Kansas has had a few of these guys. Real quick, how how many years was Adonis with with the Jayhawks? Well, he was Adonis was there the the full the full time. He, that was Roy Williams' first okay. recruit, right? So he was he was there until '93, which was uh, he played on the '91 and '93. I Final was thinking of somebody teams. else then. Okay, so well, I was well, thinking right, he was transferred it, in. Well, yeah. So if you want to count uh, two year players, and, and this was about two years as well. Rex Walters was a, was oh, okay. a two-year well, that, player. There as well. Who was his backcourt mate in, in those early 90s Absolutely, he transferred games. over, yeah. So, so uh, that, uh, yeah, I definitely remember the Rex Walters days from growing up. The uh, the left-handed stroke, and uh, obviously he's gone on to have a very long uh, basketball career as well, whether it's been coaching or assistant coaching, all those sorts of things. Very good, Jesse. Uh, great talking to you, and we will uh, catch up again soon. Sounds good, Blair. Links to the stories we discuss can be found in the show notes on the KU Hoops app, on Facebook.com slash KU Hoops, and on KansasCity.com. Thanks to Leah Becerra and Kathy Liu for producing today's episode. We'll be back soon to talk Kansas City sports on another edition of Sports Beat KC, presented by the Kansas City Star.